maybe to throw it back to you, do you think there's a, do you think Stoics should cultivate, don't have courage? I'm trying to think of, because we, we just, we often don't talk about the, we often focus on the internal in Stoicism, but an important part of the internal is the ability to actually navigate, to go out and be courageous, to go out and stand up to the bully, to go out and fight the person that needs to be fought. Welcome to Stoa Conversations. My name is Caleb Ontiveros. And I'm Michael Tremblay. And today we are going to be talking about the movie Gladiator, which should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'm excited to do that. It's time for our very first Stoa film review. That's right. So starting with Gladiator, a film from the 2000s starring Russell Crowe. Hopefully many of you have seen it. If not, there's almost certainly going to be spoilers. So uh pause this conversation right <laughs> now and whatever you're doing you know just read the wikipedia summary or you know watch the actual movie i've seen it probably at least three times probably three or five times i don't exactly remember how many times but i recently watched it um and it holds up it's still it's still a great still a great film yeah i watched it yesterday it was great the last time I saw it too was before I was into Stoicism or any sort of ancient Greek uh, or Roman history or anything like that. So um, it was cool to rewatch and be like, oh yeah, that's Marcus Aurelius. That's, you know, that's Commodus. That's like, this is uh, the, the historical part of this historical fiction was, was jumping out a lot more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think I first saw it in, when I was a kid with my dad and brother. That was a lot of fun, but I had no idea about the Stoic connections to the movie and there are, i think there are a lot of different potential uh connections i know some of you all argued about how stoic a film or not it is and that's what we should definitely get into so i suppose we'll kind of structure this like some of our other review uh episodes we'll think about some of the aspects of the movie that we think are the best and good think about some of the aspects of the movie that are maybe less well done uh, and then maybe end with some provocative challenges or interesting tidbits that we want to that we want to pull out of it. Do we should we do like um, a quick overview of the plot? Yeah, we for probably those should. That have seen it, you know, seen it before. Not going to rewatch it as you said. Pause, but know enough to want their memory jogged. Let's say. Yeah, that's a good idea. Before we jump into it, we should do a a quick review and go over some of the main events, character names, and so on. Um. So I can take a quick stab at that. So you've got, you've got the central character, Maximus Decimus Meridius, um, and he's the fellow played by Russell Crowe. He's a respected Roman. You have uh, a meeting between him and Marcus Aurelius, where Marcus Aurelius decides, look, Maximus, I want you to take over the army, return to Rome, and essentially restore the Roman Republic of old into the scene enters commodus played by walking phoenix who you know he's the, he's the villain queer villain of the story and he decides to kill his father kill marcus aurelius uh, which is um something one could imagine the real commonest doing though this is it's a historical fiction of course and he uh asks for maximus's loyalty Maximus refuses, and as such, Commodus has his family killed, and he also tries to kill Maximus. But Maximus, of course, escapes. He ends up becoming captured um, just after he sees the fate of his family, of his wife and son. A really tragic scene. He's captured, sold as a to a gladiator, a fellow who runs a gladiator school, a former gladiator. Who runs a gladiator school um, tr and becomes more or less becomes a successful gladiator who finds himself in the position back in Rome as a gladiator, very po a very popular one at that, popular enough that he has some amount of political power. He's set on revenge, avenging the death of his family, and as a as the film goes on, you have movements to restore. The Republic, you have Commodus trying to dis par par in a paranoid manner destroying his enemies in the Senate, uh, and then a final battle between Commodus and Maximus in the arena. The idea here is that Commodus is trying to become a tyrant, 
and Maximus is actually gaining the appeal of the 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 mob they call it like Maximus is such a great gladiator that the people of Rome are starting to love him so much that Commodus can't kill him in uh cold blood so he tries to he sets up more and more dangerous gladiator battles for Maximus Maximus continues to win the, those and get becomes more and more famous and then at the end Commodus plans to and so this is this is the full spoiler he um says well I'll just kill him in the arena and I'll kind of gain the honor and that's a way of killing him without without ruining any of my honor and Commodus plans to do this by stabbing Maximus before they get out there but covering up the wound so Maximus is like dying really injured in the fight and then but Maximus still overpowers Commodus kills him but then dies later of his wound after saying you know with his dying breath being like restore the republic um you know make sure that Marcus Aurelius's vision is is seen as as was intended um so and the other thing I wanted to add there is that it's it's as you said it's not historical at all so for those that don't might not know um Commodus was the son of of Marcus Aurelius it's not clear to me that Maximus was a real person at all but Commodus co-ruled with Marcus Aurelius for a certain period of time I think a couple of years before Marcus Aurelius's death and then Commodus ruled on his own um was not killed in the arena by any Maximus but was so tyrannical or poorly behaved to the point that he uh, so assass- attempted to be assassinated and then when that poisoning didn't work was famously his wrestling coach or partner was went in there and strangled him to death um so he was assassinated so taking this tyrannical character uh from history putting them in a different context around this uh, around this maximus persona who's who is fictional that's right uh marcus aurelius also is known as the last of the five good emperors commodus came next he was generally not seen as a <laughs> as a good emperor yeah <laughs> If you're the last of the good emperors, then the next guy probably isn't that good. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to follow that. So that's some that's some cool. that's some background. Some some if you haven't seen it in a while. Yep. So overall, I think the the first thing just to say is I find this a, a fully it's just an awesome film, completely in, very entertaining. Uh, gets me pumped up. Has several tragic, really tragic elements to it as well. Um, the music is fantastically done. Set design is great, and in general, like it completely, completely holds up. As I rewatched it over the past, you know, past few years. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I loved it. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. I didn't remember it as being like that great of a movie. To be honest, like I didn't. Gladiator is not one of my favorite movies. Let's say, but when I rewatched, it, I was like, this is fantastic. Um, and one thing I one thing about it is that it was very modern in the film criticism sense. So you can think of something that's like postmodern as something that is maybe ironic or self-aware and modern. When I think of a modern movie, I define that as like before postmodernism. So it's this idea of it has these very clear values, this, this uh, it's earnestly trying to tell a story. And I think this was a movie where there was like an earnest picture of like, this is the good guy, the bad guy. Um, and the good guy is going to kind of struggle and the good guy is going to represent these virtues and these values. Uh, impede the impede Maximus from from getting his way and this kind of this struggle it, it, it takes a stance about what um you know really what a good leader looks like which is Maximus who's um you know courageous but also considerate of others um actively doesn't want to be emperor so is not vain is not power hungry so it takes a stance on what a good person looks like and then it portray it takes a clear picture also what a bad person looks like somebody who is um motivated by their passions motivated by reputation doesn't have a kind of reverence or respect uh for the wishes of other people which is which is commodus's character and so i i think that was that was um that was something that i really liked about it kind of straightforwardness of it yeah i think that it does a good job painting commodus as an anti-model and if you want to take a stoic framing on that you can think of him as like a perfect model of someone who is consumed by passion someone who is too envious uh too quick to anger and has this view of life where what others 
do is you know very perceived as slights and that matters because they're obstacles to his happiness whether it is being uh desperate for his father marcus aurelius's attention or later the praise of the mob or the crowd well i was gonna say in this anti-model picture i think that's something that makes commodus and joaquin phoenix is acting is wonderful in this but i think it makes commodus such a compelling villain is that he's not one of those characters who's impervious who's like haha i'm one-dimensional i'm evil he is very sensitive he's very weak in many ways and that weakness is combined with the like incredible external power of being the leader of the uh, of Rome, right? The Roman emperor, and that makes an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic, an interesting exploration of anti models, as you say. So in this movie, he he's not really, I would say, he wants to be emperor. And when Marcus Aurelius tells him, "No, you're not going to be emperor. Maximus is going to be instead." There isn't this like evil plan he had had in the past. He kind of kills Marcus Aurelius in a moment of passion. And it shows to me this idea of this person who thinks like, you know, if this happens, my life will be ruined. It is that kind of mm -hmm. vulnerability. He, he feels very vulnerable to external circumstances. And that's what leads him to do these uh, awful things, right? You said there's the kind of social perception of slight, but it really, he, he's, he's fragile. Um, and that's that kind of irony of being so powerful but so fragile and, and so focused on controlling, you know, what's outside of your control, what's on the other part of this dichotomy of control. That's what makes him a really good, a good villain to me. I mean, in that scene where he is receiving the news that he will not be the next emperor from Marcus Aurelius, he notes that you, my father, you're always impressing these four cardinal virtues on me, the virtues of wisdom, temperance, fortitude, and justice and i had but i had none of those all i have is ambition right and that but that ambition is grounded i think in this in this real you get the sense that it's grounded in this view that his self-worth is tied up with whether or not he becomes emperor, totally. how others perceive him uh and so on in a way that uh Marcus Aurelius's character is clearly not bound up in that way. Maximus is not. Yeah, there's a scene very early on where Maximus is, uh, you know, he's that kind of gladiator training, and it's clear that Maximus, you know, could wipe the floor with these people. Um, and they're kind of set, uh, so Maximus is this newly acquired slave, and they don't know anything about him, and they're they're trying to um, assess whether or not he's going to be a good fighter or not. And the gladiator trainer is, you know, hitting Maximus with the wooden sword, and Maximus is not fighting back, right? And the, and He's like, why would I have to, like, why should I fight here? I don't have anything to prove. Like, what am I trying to show you? Uh, and they kind of label him as a, as a poor fighter or assume he's a poor fighter. But that's, I think, just the counterexample that you said is that's somebody who's not caught up. Or Maximus's character is supposed to be one who's not caught up in what other people think of him. And Marcus Aurelius has this line when Maximus refuses to be emperor. Marcus Aurelius says, you know, will you be emperor? Or will you accept my charge? Not to be emperor, sorry, but to... Uh, take power as we transition into a republic, uh, Maximus says, no, like, I really don't want to do that. And Marcus really says, well, that's exactly why it has to be you, right? It's the person who doesn't want that power should be the person to have it. Um, I think just building out your point, Caleb, you have this, this contrast of somebody who's super caught up in what other people think of him, and that becomes a weakness, and somebody who doesn't care at all, very stoic in that sense, and is, uh, becomes kind of Maximus's strength, or at least something we admire. And so then, then there's the question, all right, so Commodus, clear anti-model. To what extent then is Maximus a model? Because I think you, you, he does embody uh, the traits of persistence, endurance, and in the beginning of the film, when you see him as a general, it's clear that he's respected uh, by, as a general, does his job well. Uh, and cares for his men and his men care for him. Um, and that is why Marcus Aurelius in the film would uh, you know, place this responsibility of restoring the Republic to a large extent in his hands. Um, but the next probably half of the movie or so is him discovering that his wife and son are dead and he is hell-bent on hmm. avenging their death, which from the Stoic perspective is misplaced. I mean, you, 
I think you could think that he ought to avenge their death. And that isn't maybe perhaps what duty re requires of him, but he is completely obsessed with that task, right? He, uh, consumed in a way that the, I think uh, a Stoic would ideally, uh, uh, consumed in a way that a Stoic uh, would not be. Uh, was, yeah. So what do, what do you think about that? Yeah, my read on this is that Maximus is kind of an Aristotelian hero. So in some ways, he is small s stoic. So he is not afraid of death. He doesn't care what other people think of him. So he embodies a lot of, he embodies these characteristics that other stoics would have in common. But what's his ultimate value? His ultimate value, I, I think, you know, Plato talks about this division between there's the people who care about reason. It's probably Marcus Aurelius. There's the people who care about honor, probably Maximus. And then there's the people that care about, um, and Plato says the people that care about honor are the, the soldiers, the warriors, the military. And then there's the people who care about, you know, passions, things like that. That's Consul Marcus uh, or Maximus is right in the middle there, I think. He cares about honor and he's not going to fear death in the, in the pursuit of that, in the pursuit of kind of achieving what he thinks is justice. And so I think that it's, that it, that's not a stoic, it, it is uh, to, to dedicate your life towards revenge and punishment and then not be afraid of things in the path of doing that or be very courageous in the pursuit of that or very single-minded such that you can't be distracted by temptation or mm -hmm. uh, bribes. That's not stoic. That's just, that's just you not caring about certain external things in pursuit of another external result, right? But I think that he still has enough characteristics to be a positive role model, but I don't think he's a stoic. And I, I think maybe a, maybe a Interested what you think about this, Caleb. I think maybe we actually get this portrayal of Stoicism as being impotent, as actually being naive. Like, what does it say in this in this portrayal of Marcus Aurelius that he gives the news to his son and is murdered by his son, unable to anticipate it, unable to defend himself, unable to have the foresight to have somebody in the room present or anything like this? There's a kind of naivety to that. Like Marcus Aurelius really set up the, the world to burn a bit if he thought the Commodus was a bad person. And so I almost think there's like this, um, you know, the Stoic is impotent. The, the, pa the tyrant is too passionate, but the honor-driven Maximus is in the middle. That's my reading of it. Yeah, that's interesting. You have this portrayal of Marcus Aurelius as someone who is good and just but is almost like not suited to his role in a way. Like he's too much, he's kind of like the senators. Uh, it seems to me like he's portrayed in a manner that's similar to some of the senators who clearly care about Rome, but don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but doesn't have the foresight to prepare himself for assassination by the hand of Commodus uh, or even before that set up things to move swiftly enough so that issue wouldn't even even arise right i think that is that is something you you kind you do kind of get in the the film is that at least i mean if, if it's not a critique of stoicism at least one possible failure mode of stoicism is expecting others to be more rational and you, you kind of get hints of this that marcus aurelius in one respect in which he failed as a father for commodus is that he expected Commodus to be someone he wasn't. And uh, as a result, may have contributed to him being worse. Yeah, which again, I would say is na naivety, or at least that's what's being portrayed, right? Is this this idea that this Marcus, maybe not the Stoics, maybe doesn't have a thing, maybe gladiators and making explicit comment about Stoicism, but at least Marcus Aurelius, is that maybe the word? This idea of, of not seeing Commodus for who he is or if so, only too late or in the wrong kind of way, uh, both when you're raising him and in providing the news. Yeah, which I think is fine. I mean, you can you don't have to be a stoic to make a like I don't need Gladiator to agree and put Marcus Aurelius on a pedestal. Um, yeah, yeah. But I don't. But I don't think it's necessarily a stoic movie. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think that you can make a case for it being a stoic movie. But uh, before I make that, I would say probably one of my least favorite films 
or aspects of the film is actually its portrayal of Marcus Aurelius. I feel like they get they get close to some of what I think is the essence of the man, but there are some parts that uh, I think are are misses, um, which of course is fine. Doesn't mean it's not a great movie. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, I think maybe like the case for the I'm curious about what you think about this. The case for Maximus being more of a stoic is that he has an arc so at first he is consumed by the desire for vengeance um but over the course of the film he realizes that there are some things that just are more important to him than killing commodus like he won't kill commodus the first chance he gets because lucius Verus, a younger boy a son of one of his friends and former lovers is held by Commodus. And I think the arc of Maximus's story is in a way pursuing pure vengeance to actually fulfilling the charge that Marcus Aurelius put on him, working with the senators for an idea which in the heat of his sorrow he thought was nonsense you know this idea of actually restoring rome you have earlier scenes of him carving out the symbols of rome s p q r right um as a rejection i which i interpret as a rejection of of that idea so yeah to clarify for those listening he has like a tattoo he has the tattoo of s p q r on his arm and he's literally like uh you know carving it out of his own skin as a rejection of it when he's in the gladiator school Exactly. But over the course of the film, he, I, I mean, what he does is he does end up fulfilling that charge from Marcus Aurelius in addition to getting vengeance. Maybe that in addition to does cut against the stoic case, right? But I think it is important <laughs> that it's not, it, it's, it is, it's not a pure vengeance film in a way. Like social roles are, in, if you want to think about it from Epictetus's perspective, some of the social roles, some obligations that he takes on still are are respected yeah i mean that's a fair point um i i like this idea of this transition from vengeance to justice this transition to killing commodus is something that benefits him to killing commodus to something that benefits other people or you know fulfills the responsibility that marcus aurelius gave him which is to restore the uh, roman republic and yeah i think you're right about that arc and maybe it's stoic. It's stoic in a sense. Because if I asked the question, I was thinking the question, you know, what would a stoic do? In, and maybe they, they wouldn't necessarily act um, how Maximus acted at the start. But certainly in that final scene, certainly when, you know, even, even on death's door prioritizing, because right before Max, you know, uh, gives the order to re re restore the Republic and we're do this. Um, yeah, so that's that I agree that's very stoic at the end. So yeah, maybe I'm persuaded, Caleb. Maybe there's nothing else to it. Maybe you got me. <laughs> <laughs> uh one one idea that I noticed that's not stoic, that's throughout the film that I had not noticed previously is how important the idea of an afterlife is to Gladiator. So that is, I think, another some more evidence against it being a stoic film, which is that there's a site Marcus Aurelius has this great line when he introduces himself again to Commodus. Commodus thinks he's dead, and everyone's like, you know, who are you? And Maximus says, I'm Maximus uh Deridius Massimius, or whatever his his full name is. Like <laughs> Decimus is what you said earlier. Yeah, Maximus Decimus. Maximus Decimus uh Meridius. Um and you know, I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. There are constant images of uh the afterlife uh, as a pastoral roman farm he where he meets his wife and children again his one of his gladiator companions is convinced that he will you know meet also his family in the afterlife uh as as well as the fact that maximus will meet his family again too and of course you have that the ending scene where it's you get to see him move to go home almost in a way right 
and as this idea of going home to an afterlife is certainly not not maybe stoicism doesn't reject it but it's not something that stoics are going to put front and center well the and the other thing too is it is the the afterlife in this movie is framed clearly as a reward like there's a scene at the start of the movie where he says he's uh, Maximus is talking to the other soldiers before they get into a battle um in in Germania and says like look like if if you're riding and you and you look around and you notice there's nobody else there like don't worry you're already in Elysium like you're already you're already dead you've already had like a an honorable death and you're in the afterlife and they they all cheer and so i think there's this kind of pressure to like die well to have done something great to enter the afterlife in a good position and as maximus is dying at the end of the film the it's like cutting back and forth with these scenes of the afterlife as he's literally like holding on to the last of his life to kind of finish the job before he kill Commodus and set things right before he passes away. And so it's kind of framed as this reward. And so, um, yeah, uh, the, in terms of theology, the Stoics don't agree in an afterlife, but what I would say is very unstoic is to say, well, I'm going to do a good thing so I can get rewarded by heaven sure. or, or in the afterlife, however way you want. I, I'm going to do this good thing on earth so I can get a good result for myself later. That's very unstoic and it removes this kind of idea of doing the good thing for the good thing's sake. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like whether or not, whether or not there's a conception of the afterlife, I don't think that necessarily can make stoicism fall apart. But if you're doing everything because you want to get into heaven or you're doing everything because you want to get into uh, 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 be rewarded in another life, that is a very unstoic reason to, be just i wonder if that also is related to the reading of gladiator as a critique of stoicism where stoicism is naive in part because people do care about these rewards for their good actions and commodus is the extreme version of that but what many of the other characters are more the more positive characters are painted as are the good gladiators, they care about how the crowd responds and they respond in the right way to the crowd's uh, energy. You know, good soldiers, they care about how they're perceived. And they, that's part of, what, part of what it is to die well, is to be respected, to have one's actions you know, echo in, in eternity, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's another, uh, another subtle critique of the film, more Aristotelian than Stoic, perhaps. Yeah, there's a world like it's not like as soon as you introduce some externals, the picture of what a good person looks like immediately just like flips on its head, right? But it's just like it, it is it is a subtle difference. It's an important difference in Stoic ethics. But what an Aristotelian excellent person looks like is going to look pretty similar to what a Stoic excellent person looks like, I mm-hmm. think, except in, in some extreme counterexamples or some fringe cases. Um, but like. Yeah, to 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 care about being honored for doing good deeds is going to look pretty similar to caring about doing good deeds for the sake of doing good deeds. Um, those are gonna those are gonna manifest pretty similarly, and um, you know, not really clear where Maximus lands is not clearly to me. A, a, I guess maybe you've convinced me. Maybe not an anti-Stoic character, but certainly not. It's not the kind of fringe case that establishes him as Stoic. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there, John Sellers, a past Stoic Conversations guest, has an article where he argues that he, Maximus is an, not a Stoic at all, and he's a counterexample to Stoicism. But I think he neglects this point about the arc that he, uh, and that he's, he's in the end he's not all about vengeance. Uh, he does make one interesting uh, point uh, stuck out to me last time I saw it as well, which is that plausibly the fellow named Proximo is the best candidate for a Stoic uh, model. So Proximo, he's the, um, in addition to perhaps Marcus Aurelius, of course, but Proximo is the leader of the gladiator school. And initially, he's he has a, another arc, of course. He's painted as someone who was a former gladiator, was granted his freedom, by Marcus Aurelius and now is in it. You get a, he's in it 
for a mix of the craft and for making money. He's a, uh, a very pecuniary character, perhaps. But towards the end of the film, helps Maximus flee from Rome in order to bring back the Republic, fulfill Marcus Aurelius's charge, um, and in doing so dies a noble death. And with, with that character, I think you have less of a picture of an afterlife. One of his lines is shadows and dust. You know, all we are is shadows yeah. and dust. You have a great speech from him when people become gladiators. And he says, ultimately, we are all dead men. Sadly, we cannot choose how, but we can decide how we meet that end in order that we are remembered. And that view, I think, is, is at least closer to uh, a stoic, a stoic one. Um, you have this reclaiming of death as it were facing up with mortality. And then that those final choices he makes, which, uh, are, are noble ones. Yeah. Not doing it for an external reward, considering ourselves just ashes and dust, uh, recognizing Look, we lack control here, but we understand how we can res we can have control over how we respond to the situation. These are all pretty stoic sentiments. I think I I, I took Proximo as being a bit more, I don't know if a nihilist or something. Like he doesn't strike to me to be very maybe not afraid of death. Maybe somebody who epitomizes memento mori, but not mm -hmm. somebody in my view who's committed to the stoic virtues or anything like that. He's certainly not attempting to live the most virtuous life. I don't think, um, you know, taking. Um, making them fight to the death for his own profit. I guess maybe, m m again, stoic in one sense, that, m that fear of, that lack of fear of death, that focusing on what you can control, but not in kind of the virtue sense. The, the other thing about Proximo, moving away from the philosophy talk, just this movie trivia, I was reading some, some uh, trivia on this, and the actor actually died before the filming ended, three weeks before the ending of, of filming. So in the original script, Proximo was going to fight Maximus in the arena. It was going to be a gladiator battle. And they had to actually use stunt doubles and like CGI and like snippets of other scenes to cut together a different storyline for him. So we, oh, when wow. I, watching that with that in mind, you can really see it. And in the last scene he's in, you like never really see his face. It's always like the mm -hmm. back and all this stuff. Um, so an interesting change. It would have been quite tragic if they had to fight. Um, the the other thing, um, I was thinking about what a stoic character would look like, or at least one example of when you would know someone is a stoic. And I mentioned this a long time ago. There's this guy, Richie film called Revolver. And I'm going to spoil that one now as well. But the way that film climaxes is the character, it's this revenge story. And at the very end, the character is like, you know, he's broken into the villain's room and he has a gun and he has a choice to like shoot the villain. And he's just like, oh, this is actually, this doesn't actually matter. Like I've just contrived this like revenge story and I've given it value, but I could just choose not to give it value anymore and kind of walk away from this confrontation. I don't need to kill a person to end this story. I can just choose to like not consider this revenge as being necessary anymore. And that always struck me as a very stoic response. I, I would say the, the stoic situations are often deflationist. Or like they, they're the ones where they say, well, I, I'm going to choose to turn the other cheek or not make something out of this. I, I feel like when, I, and I feel like with Maximus, it's like we have to now assume, well, why was he doing it? We have all these questions about the why because there was so much action and because there was so much commitment. Yeah. Um, just trying to give in my mind what a, a kind of a stoic counterexample would be really these extreme things of, you know, well, I'm going to actually def deflect what seems like it would catch me up in a story where it seems like, which often make bad movie characters, right? Because movie characters about motivation, action, pressure, putting pressure on these characters to get them to move and kind of emotional stakes. So that stoic deflation doesn't, doesn't work really well usually. Works, works okay in life, <laughs> but, but makes bad, uh, bad. Yeah, that's right. I suppose there's always a the question, why do they think they're, why do we think these action films are bad and maybe we, or why do you think ones that are not so stoic are better? And one classic mm -hmm. response to that is, of course, just because we're not that stoic. We're, we're kind of vicious.
um, which I think is connected. If we want to bring it back to Gladiator, it's sort of interesting that you know you have this film about gladiators, of course, a spectacle of violence, and of, instead of going to see the games these days, we will watch movies about them oh. instead, which is certainly an improvement. But, you know, there is that question: you know, what, why is that? so enjoyable why do we need a good character to face something like being in the arena uh you know that a very cynical read might just be something like this uh, we have now we feel uh, there needs to be a, a, a story we need more of a story to justify the excitement the primal excitement of being in uh in, in the hand-to-hand combat or watching other people in hand-to-hand combat maybe that's not even that cynical that's a uh, you know, maybe there just, there just is a craft to hand hand to hand combat. It's exciting when it's when it's done well, and even better when no one is actually perishing or being hurt. Yeah, we just do boxing now, right, or MMA yeah, yeah. instead, and at least nobody's getting killed. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think most of us are non-stoic, and most of us just find it exciting. Um. I also think it's it's compelling to have these ideas of I mean Maximus is a hero right he's the the model we talk about that in kind of a stoic role models all the time it's nice to see a hero um overcome circumstances the same way we get a kick out of tragedy right we 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 right. find there's something cathartic about recognizing that sometimes the hero fails those circumstances and I guess you could have a hero overcome the circumstances and that could be stoic because the Stoic is going to say, look, it's really ultimately not up to you. You know, if it's fated to either go your way or not. So half the stories is going to go the hero's way. Half the stories, it's going to be a tragedy and not go their way. Either way, that person is um, at the uh, behest of, of fate, just sometimes for with the positive outcome and sometimes with the negative one. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Anything else you want to note in terms of the aspects of the movie that stuck out to you that were in the, in the good side, interesting side? I mean, I, I do think it also embodies this concept of masculinity. Like, I think this is really, Maximus is supposed to be like a man's man, like a hero in, in a traditional sense. The kind of person who, there's a scene where they're about to enter the arena and the character in front of him, like is this, this slave, just like pees their pants. You know, like there's some people that are just like not built for this. And Maximus is built for this. But of the gladiators that are built for this, he's the one who also has um, maybe the wisdom or the foresight. Like he, he has that courage virtue uh, to do these incredible acts of violence when required and to not feel particularly bad or complicated about them. But uh, mixes that with this also this strong commitment to justice. So it's like this, it's like this masculine capacity to kill and to fight and to be a warrior mixed with humility and a strong commitment to the fam to your family and to and to the justice of the community and i guess that's the picture of like the perfect man that gladiator is selling us and i think it's a pretty good one i think it's better than a lot of other action films but i i think there's something interesting you know whether or not we agree or it it, it as as i was saying as a modern film as a film that's non-ironic i think it is putting forward a picture of like this is what greatness looks like and I think it gets I think it gets pretty close. I, I do. Um, even if it's not stoic, I think it's like, you know, um it's only a few degrees off. And I, I think Maximus is a good character. I think a lot of people could learn a lot by trying to model off that. I think in my own life, you know, I've done a lot of martial arts, a lot of fighting. I think in my own life about the active cultivation of the capacity to do hard things and the amount that that creates a sense of agency, a sense of choice, right? Like there's some people that it doesn't matter how stoic they are, they're just you know if they're gonna enter the arena, they're gonna pee their pants, right? And they're gonna shut down because mm-hmm. they don't really have the capacity to confront situations of that kind of stress. Um, and I think there's something to be said about being both committed to virtue and having the kind of mental fortitude to carry out the acts that for that virtue requires, because otherwise, you know, if you again if you're if you're committed to virtue but impotent, you'll just get strangled by your uh, son, you know, like Marcus Aurelius in this movie. And then it's like, well, then what good was that, right? Um, and so, and 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 then and then 
they have the Lucius's mother, the sister of Commodus, Lucilla. And there's this there's this scene where she confronts Maximus and Maximus is like, you don't know what it's like. And she's like, I don't know what it's like. I live every day afraid of being killed by Commodus. You know, like I, I I'm on your team here, even though it doesn't look like it, because like, but I just can't do anything right. Like I can't I don't have the strength uh, or the ability to intervene here where like you do because you have that capacity for external action. So I guess that's the question is like, maybe to throw it back to you, do you think there's a, do you think Stoics should cultivate this capacity for external action? And then that opens up the capacity, I guess, to fill more roles, roles that you can't fill if you don't have, uh, I suppose if you don't have courage. I'm trying to think of, because we, we just, we often don't talk about the, we often focus on the internal in Stoicism, but an important part of the internal is the ability to actually navigate to go out and be courageous, to go out and stand up to the bully, to go out and fight the person that needs to be fought or to protect the people that need to be protected. Um, And Maximus portrays the kind of character, what it's like when you have both the internal character and the capacities to do those things, you know? And I don't know, there's something to that. But again, I think that might be a bit Aristotelian, but there's something to that, right? The great man who is also an amazing fighter, right? The person who has great character and is also very strong is is going to be better in the Aristotelian picture than the person who's great character and is very weak, right? I'm in general, I think it does seem it seems right to me that Stoics have as a part of becoming a sage for the typical person that part of that progressive path must involve you know, increasing their capacity, increasing their abilities, honing their skills. For many people, those very well could be physical ones. I think there's decent evidence that people who feel physically strong are more likely to feel confident in ways that transfer into their social interactions. Um, and you could you could see that as being a that sort of you know physical development, which I think is what Gladiator, especially with the character of Maximus. Uh, is focusing on the competency to work in teams to be an ex- excellent leader is important. And uh, I think the Sto- Stoics would certainly agree with that. Um, I, I guess the question is, I think, you know, you could have a reading that, oh, the gladiator just glorifies that one kind of martial virtue, strength and yeah. honor. But at the same, I think at the same time, it does give you other models, right? You have the senators who are looking to restore the Republic. Uh, and um, that, that's a different kind of a, a life, right? I mean, you, you, could, you could say maybe even, even there, this, the, the kinds of skills that you're developing are just, are just gonna be, are gonna be different. Uh, there are gonna be probably some overlap every, for every human. Uh, we talked about Musonius Rufus and how he, how he sees food as a matter of fuel uh, and nutrition. So I think you know, sure that you have the right nutrition is just sort of a, a simple example of where there's going to be physical overlap between uh, many people, but or people are going to ideally do the same same kind of thing. But it, it, I suppose it does depend on the role that you're fulfilling, um, and wh- whatever it is, you're going to have these different attributes, different skills that you're going to be always always improving. Yeah, just be good at your role. Some of those roles are going to look like being martial, but not everybody needs to be a fighter. Um, you know, whether it's a senator or whatever, you know, senator has a way to be brave and courageous about um, a better Rome. The, uh, you know, right. Um, and, you know, maybe Maximus wouldn't come off well in the senator um, in, in at the kind of skills of oratory and things like this that the senator requires. Now, mm-hmm. that's compelling to me. Yeah, and then Gladiator is just going to be a fighting film because it's about fighting. But just because it glorifies fighting doesn't mean that's the only kind of that's the only kind of way you can be excellent. I actually think it does a reasonably good job at portraying different kinds of people. So you have, I think Maximus just is the core protagonist and he is well-rounded in a way that you probably do want lots of leaders to be. But you also have his like assistant or messenger who is not portrayed uh in a way that he doesn't exude great strength or something like that you know he's supposed to be fast 
I think is like the, the thing you're supposed to pick up on. He's speedy. That's what uh, I'm yeah. going to be. I'm going to be speedy. Yeah, that's that's my role. Uh, I'm not trying to. Um, and then on the other side, you have in terms of like the gladiator gladiators, you have super buff guys who are not not the leaders, right? You have that guy who first is smacking around Maximus, who turns out to be a an ally, but also is someone who Maximus ends up saving and also orchestrates really in the arena as a general, as a leader. Um, and then of course you have Lucilla, that's, who's a mother looking out for her son and is, I think, a necessary component for Maximus to realize uh, the charge that Marcus Aurelius gave him because she's that connection to politics, to the Senate. Yeah. And she ris risks a lot in uh, helping, helping him do that. All of humanity in two and a half hours. We get the whole, yeah. <laughs> the whole kaleidoscope. Yeah, maybe not, but a whole, whole. I think, uh, yeah, the different kinds of different, different kinds of models. I guess. Well, we didn't exactly follow the good, bad, interesting <laughs> structure, but I think we've touched on a number of a uh, number of uh, aspects of each of those. Should we, we should we jump to provocative? Maybe not exactly provocative, okay. but any other aspects that ju jumped out. Um, one part that I haven't mentioned at all is I do really like the uh, Quintius, one of Maximus's lieutenants, like sort of sort of grouses. You know, like people should know when they're conquered, uh, which I think is very funny. And then Maximus responds, "You know, would you? Would you, Quintius? Would you know? Would I?" Um, which is a challenging, a challenging response to what is would otherwise just be a, an amusing remark. Yeah, I mean, I took that as setting uh, Maximus up as kind of being this ideal hero. He's like, he's going to beat you in battle, but he's also going to respect you while doing it. You know, like he's going to, he's going to perceive, he's going to see you as an equal, right? And then he's going to conquer you. Um, I mean, it's just some, some empathy to this other group, right? He's not engaging in war with a kind of disgust. He's not patronizing these people. He's saying, look, they're, they're standing up for themselves defending their their home the same way I would defend my home. It's interesting that that kind of sentiment doesn't lead to one of passivity or passive passivism. It leads to I'm going to respect them as I as I then go out and kill many of them in this battle. But uh, that that's because Maximus is this person who I mean there is this line I I've been speaking a lot about how Marcus Aurelius has been portrayed as naive, but there's this line at the beginning of the movie where um you know, Maximus, Marx Ray says, like, why are you fighting for Rome? And Maximus says, because I've been out here and it's the dark and it's awful and Rome is the light. And Marx Ray is like, but you, you haven't been, or you, at least you haven't been in decades. You know, what do you, what do you know about this place? And so there is this kind of showing that Maximus is fighting for honor and he's fighting to, he's fighting for the honor of something that he doesn't even know. You know, he's fighting to protect the idea of something that he doesn't, he hasn't, he's, he's uh, fighting to protect the idea of a city that he hasn't even lived in. Yeah, I think that's right. One criticism of this film is just that it's the idea of like restoring the Republic is completely incongruous to that time period, of course. Like that's not what... Marcus Aurelius most likely had in mind. Hardly anyone thought that was feasible. But is that like an American thing? Like, is it like do most Americans think that the Republic is great and the Emperor is bad? Like, are were they trying to appeal to contemporary American sensibilities? Like, why put why put the Republic on the pedestal? Why not just have the story be like Maximus, you be Emperor because you're a better Emperor than Commodus? Why this? Yeah, I think there are two things there. One is it's American. It almost you almost have this idea of restoring liberal democracy to the liberal people of ancient Rome. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's got to be part of it, and we I don't know how many people would resonate with a message of uh, we want to res you know restore a just dictatorship of a single ruler or something <laughs> like this. <laughs> uh, I think. But I think there's also the, you do see 
in the Stoics and even in Marcus Aurelius, respect and admiration for the Stoic opposition, the people who assassinated Caesar. Marcus Aurelius speaks well of Brutus, which is, I think, suggests that, look, Marcus Aurelius wasn't thinking about restoring the Republic, but he likely did have an idea that a more just political arrangement was possible. And to say that that, that idea was liberal democracy would, I think, be probably likely absurd, but that it involved, that it was not, I think that it would be involved significant changes to the existing regime, I think is, is not, is, uh, and is maybe an, something you can say in defense of what other otherwise seems yeah. kind of silly, right? Well, I think I think Marcus Aurelius as emperor talking uh, positively about Brutus is pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know that, or I mean, maybe I've read it before if it was in the meditations, but that, that stands out as particularly ironic at this moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and this idea that we can do better. I mean, certainly, certainly in Epictetus, you get this kind of, this rejection of tyrannism. You get it in Marcus Aurelius, but Marcus Aurelius is also kind of touted as the Maybe may that you can be the philosopher king and say, well, the, the philosopher king thing to do is to actually move away from being an emperor, I suppose. Yeah, or I suppose yeah. if it's not move away from being an emperor, it's that you have the good version of single man rule monarchy, and you also have the terrible version. If you think about Aristotle's famous division, and you want to do everything you can to ensure if that you are not devolving into a tyranny. Mm-hmm. And that might in- include moving to multi-person rule. It might include doing what Brutus and his conspirators did uh, and assassinate a perceived tyrant. Hmm. Um, I mean, to end, the last thing, when I did some trivia snooping, for all those, li- if you made it to the end of this podcast, you are possibly a super Gladiator fan. And there is a Gladiator 2 coming out next year with Paul Meskel. <laughs> and... Uh, some of the same actors as the original. So, yeah, I'm excited. Did you Did uh, you know about it? I didn't know about. It. I did. Yeah, I knew about that. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I didn't know when exactly it was supposed to come out. So, 2024. Like, Let's go. All right. Awesome. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll have to do uh, have to do another review of that one. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, all. <laughs>